0: For his continual blessing upon this service. Heavenly Father, we come before you today asking that you help us, Lord, to see your beauty and glory and majesty and to understand that you are completely sovereign and you are in control of all things. Help us to see your holiness. Help us to see your wisdom. Help us to see your power, Lord. Help us to see your justice. Help us to see your love. So then, Lord, we can then be convicted and and run and flee and turn away from our sins and cling to your cross that that you sent in Jesus Christ. So we can go to him and cling to him, knowing that we have been forgiven. God, and if there's someone that doesn't know you here today, I pray that today be the day that they come to know you. God, be with all the churches meeting around the world in whatever capacity. Lord, there are, there's just wars and, and, and a lot of things going on in this world where Christians are. God, we pray that, they are be, that you can use those Christians to help them see that they are your lights in this dark world and that lives would be changed through this process of whatever is going on in our world. Lord, provide the hope. And God, we also pray that we are able to be the same too, Lord, in whatever capacity that we are in in our own life. That we can just rest in you and shine your light of the gospel wherever we go. Help us, Lord, then, to just take rest in you so we can live out this faith consistently before the world as you fill us with hope, love, and peace. And in Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, as we state much here in our church, The gospel is good news that we're all ultimately looking for in our life. It is the absolute safety that we need in our life from all the devastation around us. You know, it is the absolute hope that can sustain us in a world that's really so dreary. It is the absolute joy that can uplift our hearts from our burdens And it is the absolute rescue that can save us from our inconsistencies, our failures, and our sins. It is the absolute freedom that can break us free from a world that's so constrictive and oppressive. You know, it is the absolute love that can mend our broken hearts from all the woes and sorrows that we face and see each day. You know, the gospel is is all of this and, and more. Why? Well, because Jesus Christ has done everything for you and I to be fully secure in right relationship with God all through faith in Him. Christ came and lived a perfect life, a sinless life in our place. He came and kept all the laws that God demanded from us that we constantly failed to keep. Christ kept and fulfilled them all. All His emotions, all His mental cap- uh, capability, all His conversations, all of His relationships, all of His interactions and actions, all of it was all in perfect alignment with the law of God in our place through faith in Him alone. He did it, he, he did it all to die in our place, the death that we deserved. He went to the cross to take upon Himself the wrath of God that should have been placed upon us for our sins. He was the only one to ever, the only one to be perfect. He was the perfect one who did not deserve to die that death. We were the offenders. We were the villains that deserved the eternal death of hell. But yet, Christ took the eternal wrath upon himself as the sacrifice for us, all out of love for us. When we had no love for him, he came back to life to give us what we could never earn, to be declared righteous before God all through faith in him. He rose from the dead to give us salvation and eternal life even though we would fail him, even after we placed our faith in him, God has a love for imperfect, failing, wretched sinners such as you and I, and the cross proves it. We can never doubt it. God gave his son out of love to do everything for us so he can be our everything for us in everything we do. And that reality is what is the dumbfounding truth that changes our lives, that radically changes us from the inside out. From when we first placed our faith in Christ, and as we continually place our faith in Christ more and more every day. See, this gospel message is revolutionary because it has radical consequences for those of us who have placed faith in Jesus. Why? because you and I now through Christ alone have been freely given life in a dead world. God has, as Paul stated here in Ephesians, made us light in a world that is darkness. We are now no longer looked upon as disobedient people of wrath before God, even when we fail but rather we are now viewed as his very own children whom he loves and adores and whom he is fighting for in this world. We have been changed to be new creatures. We are now saints of the Most High. We are the people of God. We are the royal priesthood of him. We are the people whom God loves and has freed from the power of death and sin all through faith in Jesus. You have been given all the spiritual blessings of God. You have an eternal inheritance just waiting for you. And you get a little bit of it now. You are now part of the eternal kingdom of God. We now live under God's grace where he just gives more and more and more of his blessings to us. Even when we're not even asking for it, he gives it because he loves you. The Gospel is really good news for us in a world that's so full of bad news. But as we know, that's the struggle we face, to really see it as the good news we're looking for in a world that's almost literally exploding with bad news. It's hard to focus on this good news so that we can let it shape our lives in how we live. That's the struggle and Paul in our text today in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 17 then is going to encourage us not to get distracted or entangled with the world around us but rather to focus in on the good news so that we can let it shape us let it shape our lives let it shape our interactions let it shape our thoughts and our hearts as we live with each other and the world around us so our title today is being shaped by the gospel So let's just look at the text. Paul says in verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, it's really important to understand what Paul is stating here, because we can easily become very legalistic with this passage if we lose the greater perspective of the context. Paul is saying, because you are a child of God now by faith alone in Jesus, You should be carefully pursuing to let your whole life be molded by him and not just part of it, not just Sunday mornings or before you eat. See, Paul, by him saying, look carefully on how you walk, Paul is calling calling our attention to the greatness and the vastness of the promises of the gospel over us. He is calling our attention to the reality that we live under His grace, God's grace now, and not under His law. And that brings us to our first point. Being shaped by the gospel, let's Christ be our wisdom. The fact is now, we are the children of God by faith in Christ alone. That's the fact. So the question is, Are you letting that reality, being under His grace as His child, set into your life in all that you do? Is His grace the source of your power? Is His grace the source of all of who you are now? Are you looking to Jesus Christ as or for your absolute everything? Or are there situations and circumstances and relationships in our lives that we are looking to and running to to falsely satisfy our hearts and desires? Are there things or people where we are placing our hope vainly in in order to give us the sense of purpose and establish this energy of life that only Christ can provide? See, Paul is saying and acknowledging here in this text Something we all have to be constantly aware of. That even though we have been made right with God and we have peace with God and he loves us unconditionally. We still struggle with this unbelief that runs around in our hearts and minds that says Christ is not enough for you. His grace is not enough to satisfy you. That's what we battle with. Or to put it bluntly and more directly, as Paul does here, he says there are many places in our life where we're not living as wise people, but as unwise people. And we need to realize that and stop being ignorant of it. We need to face this reality that we are taking actions and investing our time and money and hearts into things that amount to nothing for the kingdom, or at least we are investing these things in such a way that's not wise, but is unwise. Because the kingdom is not in that our perspective, in our thoughts as we go about them or interact with them. And we need now to be wise in how we approach all of our life and all of our interactions with things and people, with all the relationships that we have now. And that is a hard reality that will set upon us as we focus on Christ and His gospel more and more every day. The gospel reveals more and more how useless the world is and how it can provide nothing. How Christ alone is the one that can stain us and be our provider alone now. And that is what we are called to be shaped by as we look upon His promises We live from His promises, not to get them, we have them. See, when we dwell on Christ and His never-ending grace over us, His graciousness removes any seemingly valid reason or excuse for us to want to pursue anything else in this world for our own glory, for our own comfort, or our own security, or our own purpose, or whatever. For when we see and focus on his grace, he reveals over and over again to us through faith, by his word, when we go to the Bible, how that we are given and we already have all we need to satisfy us in this world, to satisfy our hearts, so that we can wisely interact with the world of things and people to his glory and not our own. When Paul says not as Unwise, but as wise, he is saying, live your life from faith in Christ in all things, looking to him alone. It is unwise of you to try and figure out this thing called life on your own. It's unwise to try and do things in your own strength, in your own power, in your own wisdom, or in your own traditions. Well, back in my day, we did this. No, Christ's way. But oh, don't we try At least I know I try so hard to do things on my own, with my own family, with my own things. Thinking that I know or we know what's best rather than trusting that God knows what is best for us and prayerfully going to Him first. Sadly, it seems He seems to be always the last resort for us rather than the first reaction we take With anything, he tends to be the last when we end up giving up. We will bank so much on our uh, on our unwise personal salvation projects in our life, like getting so heavily involved with politics, thinking that that is what can change the world for the better forgetting, forgetting the heavy investment of Christ that he went through to save us and how that alone, his gospel message, him alone is what changes people for the better and what can change this world for the better. That's it. Everything else fails. Or we'll invest so much of our time and effort in getting and thinking we'll, by getting that, that better job. We'll end up validating us who we are and what we have done. Because then people will notice you because you have this prestige. And we forget that God himself has noticed you. And not only noticed you, but he has given you the great blessing to be called his own. Or we'll set our hope on that vacation or that retirement to provide that absolute rest we've been yearning for, when in reality, we have been giving the true rest that will empower us to do far more than what you could have ever imagined in this world for Christ. And that rest is found in Jesus Christ alone. We forget that He is the one that replenishes our hearts. We forget that He is the one that replenishes our minds to calm it down. We forget that He is the one that provides the strength we need to carry on in this world, to be involved with the people around us. Because people are exhausting. But Christ will empower you to invest. You can't invest in yourself to invest in other people. It comes from Christ alone. We build our self-image upon our kids or our grandkids' success in this world to feel like we matter. But yet, we forget we do matter now. We matter now because we matter to the Almighty God Himself. And He is conforming us to His Son's image. That's, That's what matters. That's what matters to God. And man, I wish I could have it matter more to me because I have everything else matter to me. Or we're set this heavy burden of expectations upon our spouses or our kids or our loved ones or friends, whatever, to fulfill the love we're looking for and needing in our life that honestly they cannot fulfill rather than being satisfied with the unconditional eternal love we already have in Christ that will last for eternity. I mean, look at it this way. One of the wisest things, one of the wisest thoughts that you can have and begin to think on as you deal with anything in this world, I mean anything in this world, that will help you and me put us in the right perspective, that enables wisdom to take hold of us anywhere that we are, is to realize the gospel truth that you are not worthy of God's Son. You and I were not and are not worthy of the Son of God. We are just wretched sinners that were only worthy of condemnation. Yet, out of a great and deep and unconditional love for you, even though you were not worthy of it, God sent His Son, who is so much more valuable than you who you can never compare to. He sent him lovingly to come and give up his life for you, to take the wrath that you deserve. And, and that's not, that's not the end. The son came not begrudgingly. Like I tell my son, go clean your room or go help. I don't want to do it. That's my son. That was not, that's not what Christ did when the father said, go save these people because I love them. Christ went because He too loves you. He wanted to take your punishment willingly in your place so you could be set free from the power of death and sin. Even though you at one time wanted nothing to do with Him and nothing to do with that story. Nothing to do with that event in history. How deep of a love is that over you and I? I mean, who can say you deserve that kind of love from an almighty, holy God who you just offended all the time, all the way, and enjoyed the offense? A wise person would say no one and not even themselves. Yet God gives and gives His love unconditionally to you and I all through faith in Jesus, even though you and I fail and sin against Him every day and we doubt Him and we give up on Him at times in our life. Guess what? He only lavishes His grace on you and love upon you and never gives you up. For you are His precious child, who He is, follow me here, you are his precious child who he is joyfully and eagerly looking forward to, to spending eternity with you. He is up there saying, I can't wait till they get here. What type of love is that when we doubt him and say, oh, this, this stinks. God's like, what are you talking about? I'm bringing you to me. that's love. It's that love that a wise person tries to comprehend, but can't. It, it, It boggles the mind. It's that love that a wise person then, though, goes to be comforted in, that a wise person dwells on to let shape their life. For the gospel is good news and changes everything about you. See, in verse 15, when Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Paul is saying here, don't forget the gospel in all things, because when you do, when we, that's when we act or behave unwisely with whatever. When we look at ourselves rather than Christ, we become unwise with everything around us. But when we look to Christ, we see that he himself is our wisdom in all things and he has been freely given to us by faith in him. So you and I now have all the wisdom we need in this world by always going to Him by faith for everything. This world provides no wisdom. It can't provide you any wisdom or at least godly wisdom. Only He can provide and He is willingly to give you it all. And if you think that I'm just being poetic here or like pie in the sky, I'm not. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and our sanctification and redemption. But God has made him our wisdom, and we need not to treat that truth lightly or as common or as insignificant or just as another fact of life. It's a reality that's upon you and me. For you have a relationship with Christ himself now through faith in him, who is now in communion with you by his word through the power of the Spirit. He's always there. We just need to go to him by faith and let him shape our lives so we can live wisely. You have it. For that's the battle to remember. We already have all we need in him through faith alone. So on this theme then of being wise with our life by going to Christ, Paul says in verse 16, making the best use of time. And this brings us to our last point. Being shaped by the gospel makes us the best stewards. Paul Paul makes this statement that we are to make the best use of our time in our lives, right? And this carries this deep idea that we are to redeem the time. Basically. So you can think of it this way. The time you have here on this earth is one of the most valuable resources that is ever given to you. And we are called to use it it wisely for the Lord and not unwisely on yourself. Time was made to glorify God. That's why it exists. And Paul here is saying, you and me, that time was not made for us to squander or to waste on ourselves. We are to realize more and more that time was not made for man to glorify himself with, but rather, just like all of creation, it was made to be used in such a way that glorifies God. See, everything about us involves time. Whatever we do, say, think, feel, As you are breathing, it all involves time. And we need to use our time to reveal and point to the glory of God and not our own. That's wisdom. And Paul gives an intense reason why he stated this. It is because the days are so happy. Oh no, evil. And that, my friends, has not changed at all over the roughly 1,962 years since this letter was written. And if you're trying to do the math, this writ letter was written about 60 A.D. But anyways, Paul is saying here that by saying because of the days of evil, we must realize, okay, follow me here. This is very important. Realize that evil is always looking for you to waste your time as you live in this world and not redeem the time to the glory of God in whatever or whoever you are involved with. Remember, the world and the devil is evil. And the evil is always on a mission to have you be distracted by its dangly, creepy shadows that amount to nothing in the perspective of eternity. Its goal is to make you get exhausted and frustrated and fearful with its black hole of nothingness that just gives empty promises that provide no real substance of satisfaction or change for the better in your life or the world's life. Evil thrives upon taking Upon you taking seriously the pitily things that have no eternal consequence in your life. Evil loves seeing you waste your time on yourself, that God has given to you to glorify him and not yourself. Evil feasts upon us keeping isolated from each other and isolated from the world of non-believers to focus on our own wants, our own needs, our own desires in regards to our time. Evil is all about keeping you away from bringing the light of the gospel in all areas of your life to grow in dependence upon Jesus and see him as the only one that can truly satisfy you and satisfy others. Evil loves it when we get so busy with our time in bettering ourselves for our own glory and our own comfort that we take no time to look around us to see who we can serve with our time for the glory of God. Who we can show Jesus to with our time so they can see the glory of God and see the gospel of grace and have their lives changed by His grace for all time. Evil wants you to glorify yourself with, the, with your time and not God. So the question then becomes, how do we become such, such great stewards of time to the glory of God? I mean, that's a pretty serious issue. And if we're honest and we carefully look how we use our time, at least I know me, I would think we all would have to admit we do waste a lot. I know I do. I mean, how can we ever accomplish such a task of redeeming Our time in all things. I mean, I can understand sometimes, but all the time? I mean, this is all the time. This is not like just, again, on Sundays for an hour, maybe an hour, maybe two hours if you come to a Bible study. I mean, we're imperfect sinners. How is it possible? Well, Paul has an answer. He says in verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish. (laughs) Thanks, Paul. Paul here is basically pointing out two things here, talking about being foolish, when he tells us not to be fools or unwise when we look at the, at the greater context of this passage. First, we are not to be foolish in thinking this world is not out to make you waste your time, that it is not out to have you run ragged, investing your time in false security, in false hope, in false purposes of the things of this world. Paul is saying, don't be unwise and think that this world is on your side at all or that you can partner with it at all, hand in hand. No, this world is against you because God is for you now through faith in Jesus. For the way that you are called to use your time And how the world wants you to use your time are on two separate paths that never meet. The world's goal is to encourage you to sin and turn away from God in all things and make little of Him. But our mission as believers is to glorify God with all of the time we have. And the world hates that. Don't be foolish in thinking it is for you to do that with anything, with anything that it tries to present you. It does not want you to glorify God with it, at least not the God of the Bible. It will want you to glorify the God that it has made up. For the days are evil and it will do its best to trick you and entice you entice you to waste your time on everything else but the glory of God. And secondly, which is kind of more which is more of the point here. Paul is also saying don't be foolish then in thinking that you can do all this being wise stuff, always making the best use of time stuff on your own in your own strength or in your own power. Stop don't worry about you trying to do this on your own. Rather, Paul says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And what he means is this you and I make the best use of our time by prayerfully going to our Lord for all things by going to his word. Hence, this is why Bible reading, Bible studies, uh, sermons, wor- worship songs that deal with the Bible is so important. Or put more simply, run to Jesus for everything because you realize you have nothing without Him. When Christ is your focus in whatever you are involved with, okay? Follow this, okay? I'm going to say it again. When Christ is your focus in whatever you are involved with, mentally, emotionally, ra- relationally, physically, financially, politically, hobbly, if that's even a word with your hobbies, whatever. When you go to, when you're going to Christ so that he can be the source and the power and the strength and the wisdom and the glory in and with and whoever you are dealing with, then you will end up consequently being wise and redeeming the time you have with it. He's not telling you to run away from the world. He's telling you how to interact with the world in a timely manner for the glory of God. See, you will make the absolute best use of your time with whoever or whatever by keeping Christ at the center of your focus. By keeping him always there with you in your mind and heart and desires. See, when we come to the word of God through faith in Christ, this passage says we will come to understand our God and his will for us more and more with whatever we're dealing with. For Paul is saying we can and will understand God's will for us because we'll put it in the right perspective. And guess what? As we come to know our God more and more and his will, This consequently will empower us to actually follow and do what he wants. We will be making the best use of our time because it's by his power alone that it's happening. Why is that? Because we're coming to him with empty hands of faith, laying aside our own agendas and seeking his by asking him for more and more of his grace to be revealed in our life. And as we go to him then, his wisdom will flow through us and we uh, will be accomplished through our imperfect lives. He will enable us to use the gift of time in a proper way, even though we ourselves are so prone to misuse it. He can and will overcome our inconsistencies and failures before him. And we will begin to serve people who we never had the time for, who who we never served before. We will love people with the time we have that we thought we could never love before because there just wasn't enough time to love them in that way. We will become patient with people because we realize we're not running out of time. This is all God's time and He's apparently wanting me to deal with this. We will find ourselves speaking to people about the gospel whom we used to live in fear of rejection of and we won't worry about living in fear of that time. We'll just want to go for it. When We'll begin to repent of our sins that we thought we were doomed to, that we thought were going to be with us for the rest of all time. We'll be able to ask forgiveness from others from whom we have wronged and put away our pride because we realize this is God's time, not time for me to be prideful. We'll be able to enjoy our hobbies as sports or woodworking or collecting or, I don't know, YouTubing, whatever you want to do. You'll be able to enjoy it in such a way that it's not wasting time because your goal is to glorify God with it and not yourself. We'll be able to honor our God with our money and how we spend it. For His glory becomes the goal of our life because you know what? It's all His time. It's all for Him. We'll be able to honor and glorify God by loving our loved ones in deep ways that we never thought possible, for He will be guiding our time with them for His own glory. And let me tell you, as a parent, that is so uplifting. That God's gonna take care of my child as long as I keep Him in focus. Well, He'll take care of Him anyway, but it will calm my heart to knowing that He's doing it. It'll take that stress off of me. And I'll end up loving my children and family and you guys. To His glory. Because it's all in His time. By going to Christ with the time of our life, life constantly then becomes all about Christ and not about ourselves. Because it's His time. Life becomes all about His wants, His desires, and His ways. All this happens as a consequence of wanting to know our Savior more and more and wanting to see Christ as our wisdom and how the time we have truly belongs to him and not us. This is what will make us wise and make you wise and the people around you wise. And you keep pointing that this is Christ's time. But when we fail to do such things, as I often fail and we will, we can take comfort by faith in Christ and rest upon his unchanging grace over us, knowing that he has in our place already lived a life of wisdom that that is required of us and that he has already lived a life that has made the best use of time that is required of us. He did this in our place through faith in him. For For in Christ it's truly finished by faith alone in him so we can lean into him all the more and let him shape us who he wants us to be. So now we're going to go ahead and take the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask the deacons to come forward. And the reason why we take the Lord's Supper is in one sense we say, God, you, have all, you, you are our time. You have redeemed all the time. You have redeemed us. We take this supper not because we are worthy of it. You're not. We take it because Christ has made us worthy of it. He was the worthy one. We take this acknowledging that we are sinners in need of grace. And this represents that he died for us. This is another symbol. Just like the baptism was a symbol of us identifying with Christ, this is another symbol that we identify with his death and resurrection. It's for believers to take that trust in him.